Thanks be to God. Would you look please in Romans 12th chapter again this morning, Romans 12, and uh, we're continuing in our series we're calling The Perfect Will of God, The Perfect Will of God, and we, we take that phrase from this passage right here in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now I want you to notice that word service. Everybody say service. Service. And uh, some translations bring out um, worship. But that also is service. You don't just worship with your voice and your hands for a few moments in a service, but your life is to be worship. The way we live and what we do is worship. But notice he says service. And so this gives us an indication already ahead of time that service to God is the will of God. Right? Said out loud, service to God is the will of God. And, and it's only reasonable that we serve God after what he has done for us. Right? If it wasn't for him, we'd be eternally lost, separated from him. Uh, you know, in eternal death, facing uh, judgment after this life, uh, without God, without Christ, without hope, in this life and in this world and in that to come. And the Lord bought us, paid for us, uh, purged us, cleansed us from all sin and, and wrongdoing, delivered us from all guilt, shame, condemnation, made us sons of God. Hallelujah, that's male and female, sons of God. Wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life, made us an eternal part of his forever family. It's just reasonable (laughs) that we volunteer and say, Lord, what can I do for you, right? I present my body, I present my strength, I present my resources are available to you. I am yours to command. How can I serve you? Hmm? That's just reasonable, <laughs> right? <laughs> And uh, verse 2 goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world. This ungodly world is not serving God, has no interest in it. But you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word perfect could be translated complete or entire. 
Well, if there's a complete will of God, what else must there be? Incomplete. If there's a perfect, there's a partial. And so there are many on the planet who are completely out of God's will. And then there are some who are partially in the will of God. And then there are others who are completely in God's will. What's your desire, child of God? That's too weak. I'm looking in the back. This is not a trick question. What do you desire? Out of the will of God? Partially in God's will? How about all all the way in the will of God, in the perfect will of God, in the complete and entire will of God, that what you're doing, where you are, what you're doing, who you're with, you are in the plan of God, fully in the plan of God. Well, now he won't make us do that. The Lord won't, you know, if the Lord was going to make anybody do anything, he would make people receive Jesus and miss hell. But he, and if he's not going to do that, he's certainly not going to force or make people, human beings, do lesser, uh, less important things. No, it's our choice. And in fact, that's what the word will means. To will to do this or will to do that is to choose. If you have a will, you have a choice. And God gave us a free will, which means he allows us to choose. Smart people choose him. Hallelujah. Wise ones choose his will. Do you? Say that loud. I choose God. I choose the will of God, the way of God, the plan of God. Lord, I choose you. I choose you. Now, you being able to do that reveals that he chose you, you, before you knew him. That's what the scripture says. He chose you before you chose him. Hallelujah. Because he knows the end from the beginning. And he knew your heart. And even though he saw you goof off and procrastinate and make the wrong choice 93 times, he knew that before it was over with, you'd lock in, (laughs) right? And say, God, I do want you. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) And so with that knowledge, he chose you. Glory. Aren't you thankful? For the mercy of God, the long suffering of God. Oh, he's so, so patient, so gracious. So he said, don't, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as your mind is renewed, you begin to uh, find, you find out what his will is. And you get to the point where, you know, more and more mind renewal results in more and more you knowing this is not God's will. This is God's will. No, that can't be the will of God. This has to be the will of God. Come on, can you see that? Instead of the confusion that even most church-going people 
operate in. Look in Ephesians 5. Just put it on the screen for us if you would. Ephesians 5 and 15. We mentioned that there are two big errors that are widely believed concerning the will of God. One of them is that everything that happens is somehow the will of God. This is not true. This is contrary to the Word of God. There's all kind of things happening on this planet that are completely against God's will and plan. There's an enemy who is uh, pushing his agenda, and he is doing everything he can to stir up people in opposition to God's will and God's plan and God's ways. So that's not true. And the second big error is that the will of God is so mysterious that you can't understand it. That there's all kind of things happening and it's the will of God, but you you won't be able to know if it is or if it's not. It's just too high above you. Well, uh, the scripture says here in Ephesians, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How are you going to do that? Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He tells us, don't be foolish, being ignorant of God and his will and his ways and plan. Become wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is, so then you can. I said we can understand and know the will of God. Somebody say, I can know the will of God. I can understand the will of God. See, the Bible tells you so. In Colossians 1, if you'd look there, Colossians 1, 9. Colossians 1, 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not only can you know something about the will of God, you can be filled. You can be full of the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is not being a dummy. That is not being clueless and in the dark about the will of God. That's being filled. Somebody say filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Man, that means you know the will of God about this and about that and about little things and about big things, right? You're filled with the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, that in order that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What's, what's the purpose of being filled with the knowledge of his will? So that you might walk, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You can't please God if you don't know his will. How can you please him and you don't know what he wants? What's his priority? What's, what he values? 
what his plan is. And so, you know, the, the Lord gave me four different things about how to find the will of God when I started this uh, series. And I've, uh, I've looked at them. I go back and look over the first things I've, I've looked as we progress through the series. And the number one I had was the Word of God. And pretty much on every list, every one of my list, number one is the Word of God. <laughs> but I've had to change that on this list. Because the Lord keeps bringing this one up to me, this one up to me, willing heart. One of them was the Word of God is the will of God. Right? You find the will of God in the Word of God. And then the next one was a willing heart. And then uh, the next one was uh, uh, seek and you'll find. That's the Spirit of God. And the next one was obedience. In His light, you see light. As you take steps of obedience, you get more light on the will of God. But I've had to, I've had to move willing heart to the top spot. Hmm? Somebody says, really? Before the word, if you're not willing to do the word, reading the word, you won't get to the will of God. Come on, can you see that? What we're talking about now, this starts with a willing heart. And the reason I bring that up is because um, it, it, it ties in with a desire to please him. Everybody say a desire to please him. Now, now we talked about this uh, last session that we had with you in uh, Job 21. Don't turn there, but in Job 21.14, it talked about people that said to God, depart from us. They said that to God. Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. Are there people like that that say, God, leave me alone? I don't want to know your will. I don't want to know your ways. I have no interest in pleasing you. This is the sad reality of millions on the planet. Like we talked about last time, you know, it's not just that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 goes on. That. That's just part of the verse. The rest of the verse says, because you have rejected knowledge. And the, the, the sad fact is that millions of people don't want to know. They just don't want to know. They don't want to hear it. Many of them have heard the gospel. And they didn't like it. And they don't want it. Many of them have heard about the reality of God creating the heavens and the earth and about man being lost with sin and about Jesus coming and paying the price and that God is real and that he has a plan for the planet, for the people on it, for you. There are many people who have some degree of light about that, but they don't want it. They live to please themselves or some other human being, they do not care about pleasing God. And that's just how it is. And you can't control other people. You can't 
make them want to please God. What you can do is make your own choice and set an example. Right? Set an example of what it's like to please God. Hallelujah. I mean, there are some benefits to pleasing God. There are some big benefits. Do you know the one thing the proverb says? It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Whoa. Because you know they wouldn't do it on their own. And God said, yes, you will. Woo. Enemies. Makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Not just because you woke up this morning. But when your ways please him. Hallelujah. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean all your ways please the Lord. You knew that, right? Just because just because you went to church a few times doesn't mean everything you say pleases God. Everything you think pleases God. Everything you do pleases God. You got flesh. I got flesh. Right? You're, you got all these ungodly influences all around you. You can yield to any of them anytime you want to. God is most displeased with a lot of stuff going on down here. There's a lot of things you don't want to be a part of because they displease him. Don't you remember in Revelation, the Lord said to his people concerning some evil folks, he said, come out from among them. You don't want to share in their judgment. Right? It's about to go bad for them. You don't want to be there at their house partying with them when it happens. Hmm? (laughs) Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. We're his people. Do you have a desire to please him? Go with me to Hebrews the 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. This passage is actually quoting from Psalm 40. But for time's sake, we won't, we won't look at, at both of those accounts. But in, in Hebrews 10, all of this is so good. I want to just start at chapter 1 and read the whole thing. But uh, we won't do that today. Hebrews chapter 10 Um, in verse 4 he said it is not possible not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins now they uh, God's first covenant people had instructions to offer animal sacrifices which were blood sacrifices and uh, there were sacrifices for sin. But that's, that blood of bulls and goats of animals could never take away sin. It temporarily covered, covered it. And he goes into detail about how every year it had to be done again because it hadn't been dealt with. It was just temporarily covered. When you say 
you know, the blood of the Lamb has covered my sins, you're incorrect. Because it's beyond animal blood. And it doesn't cover, it cleanses. Purges, cleanses, so that it's not there. Keep reading. He said, wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering uh, you wouldest not. That, that's not what you wanted. But a body have you prepared for me. This is a prophecy about the master, Jesus. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have had no pleasure. Isn't that interesting? The Lord even told him how to do it. But it was never his perfect will and it never pleased him all those bloody sacrifices of animals. It was what the people needed to make it until the Messiah would come. Can you see that? But it never, God had no pleasure in it. And just because the Lord allows you to do something doesn't mean it pleases him or that it's his perfect will. There's a lot to learn here, isn't there? A lot to understand. Keep going. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. Who do you think this is talking about? Come on, help me out. The volume of the book is talking about who? Jesus. To do your will, O God. I come to do your will, O God. The whole volume of the book describes this. Describes what? I come to do your will, O God. That's what the master said. Hallelujah. Come on, put these words in your mouth. Say, I come to do your will, O God. Whew. That's, that's some high speech. Hallelujah. I come to do your will, O God. Keep reading, verse 8. Above, when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, you wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. This is why we no longer offer animal sacrifices. Why? Because the final sacrifice has been made. Oh, can you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. There, there will never need to be any other offering, any additional anything to pay for our redemption, our sin, our mistakes, all of those things. It has been completely paid for. It is finished. Can you say amen? amen. And Jesus did that to accomplish God's will. Go with me to John, the, uh, the sixth chapter. John 6. 
Y'all okay if I give you a little extra scripture to uh, today? No extra charge. <laughs> extra scripture, no extra charge. That's a deal. John 6 and 37. John 6 and 37. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This... This is different from most of the human beings on the planet. The enemy, the devil, was not created the devil. He was created a covering angel of great beauty and great ability. And we don't know how long he functioned in that capacity. But there came a point where he no longer wanted to serve. But he wanted to be served. And he wanted to be in God's place. He wanted to be, exalt his throne on the level of God. Which is deception because he's a created being. He can never be what created him. Huh? But that's what pride does to beings. Whether it's angels or humans, it blinds you. It darkens your understanding so that you just don't even think right. Things that should be obvious to you, pride can blind you to it. And, uh, you know, when Jesus was talking about what was going to happen and the coming kingdom, and he talked so much about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven that the disciples They thought it's just about, uh, one verse said, they thought it would immediately appear. They thought, we're going into the outward manifestation of the kingdom of God, maybe next week. It's right here. And they heard so much about it, you remember that uh, one of the mothers of some of the apostles came to Jesus and said, I got a favor to ask. (laughs) And he said, what? She said, when you come into your kingdom. Why would she say that? Because he talked about it all the time. And it was foremost on their thinking. So when you come, would you give my boys the top two seats in the kingdom? And he's, he said, dear, you don't know what you're asking. And he said, besides, it's not mine to give. Which is one revelation that Jesus is not the father. Because some proponents of oneness doctrine will say that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are just different emanations, manifestations of the Father. But that's not what the scripture teaches. Somebody said, well, the Bible said they're one. It also says we're one. But I'm not you. (laughs) And you're not me. (laughs) We're one with the Lord. But I'm not the master. Right? Right? No. There, there, there is mystery there. I'm not claiming we understand all about this. But no, Jesus said, it's not mine to give. 
But it, it's, you know, the father knows that. And that, that's what he's going to do. Well, then when the, when the other ten uh, disciples heard that, it made them mad <laughs> that they didn't think of it first. <laughs> they, oh, it was a deal. And there was a bit of a row about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Do you remember this? Who's going to be great? In fact, uh, hold your place in John if you can and go to Mark, the uh, the 10th chapter. <laughs> this thing's growing on us. <clears throat> Mark, the 10th chapter. And... Uh, Verse uh, 41, when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and the great, their great ones exercise authority upon them. And this, this has to do with subjugation, forced uh, and he's talking about, you know, the Romans and all the other individuals that were ruling. They forced subjugation. And, and he go, he's going on to say, this is verse 43, but so shall it not be among you. You don't do this. But whoever will be great among you will be your minister. Now, that's the word for servant. Whoever will be great in the kingdom of God will be service-minded, will have a desire to please God by being a servant. Can you see that? And whoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Now, see, that wasn't how they were thinking. They were wanting to get a jump on the other guys so that they could be in charge and them have to serve them. They'd be above and the other guys would be under them, have to serve them. And so the Lord by the Holy Spirit is addressing their wrong thinking. He said, no, you're thinking like worldly kingdoms. You're thinking ungodly authorities, kings and prime ministers and presidents and dictators and what have you, they subjugate. In the kingdom of God, it is not being subjugated. It is you willingly submitting yourself. Not being made to do anything, but willingly saying, here I am, Lord. I have come to do your will, O God. How can I serve you? Well, God himself personally, he'll receive our worship. He'll receive our praise, our love, our adoration. But he is not hungry. He doesn't need clothes. He doesn't need anything like that. But his people do. I said his people do. And in ministering to his people and being of service to his people, you serve him. And in doing so, you please him, for it is his will. 
Can you say amen? amen. Oh, thank God. Keep, keep reading. He said, whoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Who's going to be the, the most important? The chiefest person, the chiefest place? The one who chose to be of service to all. How can I help you? Uh, I heard Brother uh, Jesse Duplantis tell about his experience of going to heaven. He said he saw uh, a portion of paradise. And it's like a, a huge, great, amazing park, outdoor park. And, uh, well, you know, Eden is patterned after something. And he said everybody he met was saying, can we help you? Do you want to go with us? We're going. He said he didn't know who they were, but they invited him. You want to go? We're going on a picnic. We're going out on the, the water. Uh, uh, we, we're just, just going to sit down here and, and have a meal. Or uh, Everybody he saw. Uh, anything I can do for you? That sounds like heaven. Doesn't it? That, that would be a part of making a place heaven. Devoid of demand. Devoid of demanding. Devoid of selfishness. And self-serving. And anybody pulling on you for anything. But everybody wanting to give. Wanting to serve. You can see why the Lord directed us to have service teams. Right? It's the will of God. I didn't come up with that. Phyllis didn't come up with that. We didn't get that from somebody else. The Lord showed us directly how to do it when we started Branson Church. A few, uh, few weeks, month or two into this. That we were to have service teams and call them that. I I was going to call them ministry teams. And he corrected me. Service teams. Because see, ministry has a connotation in our uh, vocabulary. And if you look up the word, it means service. Service. And uh, sometimes people have the idea, I'm a minister. You should serve me. But the concept is minister is a servant that serves. In fact, you know, uh, many churches are run by deacons, which is not right. And the word deacon means a servant. People have turned it into something that it was never supposed to be. We're the one that's going to be the chiefest, the Lord said. He'll be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. That's the word for served. Came not to be served. But to minister. To serve. And give his life a ransom for many. Sit out loud. I I don't come to be served. I come to serve. And to give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how you will please God. Go with me back to to John, the sixth chapter. I saw something that that blessed me. There was a quote from uh, 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And you remember, he's a minister, preacher. And, and listen to this. He said, recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Where did he get that? He said, this is quoting from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, that's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, everybody can be great. Because anybody can serve. Don't you like that? Everybody can be great because anybody can serve if you want to. If you will. He went on to say, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. (laughs) You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and you can be that servant. Isn't that great? I knew that would bless you. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. I, uh, I've had numerous pastors, Phyllis and I, have asked us, how do you get your people to serve like they do? They come sometimes and maybe it's for a meeting or something. And I mean, people show up in the parking lot and can we help you? And ushers show up, can we help you? And every people, you know, all over the place, can we do this for you? Can we do that for you? And there's a, there's not just 10 people trying to do everything around here. Right. Hundreds of people working all the time. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. First and foremost, it needs to be demonstrated. And it needs to be taught. And folks need to realize they're not just serving the church. You're serving the Lord. You do what you do as unto him. Your service is unto him. And you know he doesn't need, you know, the throne room cleaned. He doesn't need a meal prepared for him. But his people do. His people do. And didn't he say, in that you've ministered unto the least of these, my, my brethren? You did it to me. You did it to me. He takes it personally. What you do for his people. Hallelujah. And there is a fulfillment that will come no other way except through service. You and I were not made, designed to be idle. And we were not created or designed to be self-serving. If you live to do your will and to make yourself happy, you will be disappointed. You will, no matter what kind of achievements you make, once you reach them, it will be hollow. It will be empty. And there'll come some point where you realize there's not enough money. There's not enough winning. There's not enough this or that to fill that something. In. Why? Because you weren't made to just make yourself happy. And there's too much talk in modern churches about getting God to help me live my best life. Not even one amen. 
I said, there's too much talk. Why? You were not designed for God to help you live your best life. You were designed to serve him, accomplish his will. We need to stop teaching our children wrong. Telling them they can be anything they want to be when they grow up. Not if you're a Christian. I'm going to say, what? No, it's already been decided for you what you're supposed to be and do and where. It's not for you to decide what you want to be. You want to discover what God has already ordained for you to be and do that and go there and be a part of that and be of service. Be of service. The thing that will fulfill you so much is to have a realization I helped somebody. God used me to help somebody. Hmm? God used us to help there be a good service today. Right? That's every team in the church. God used us. You you heard in in these team videos, you hear different ones saying at different points in their life, they felt pressure or there was need. And here comes the team along and helped lift that burden. Help take care of that need. Help bring encouragement. That's being of godly service. And that's what will make you so happy when your head hits the pillow at night. When you have a sense of accomplishment of being uh, of, of worth in helping. Being needed. Being uh, of service. Sit out loud. I come. To do your will. Oh God. Hallelujah. The Bible said concerning David. That he was a man after God's own heart. We've already talked about this. But I want to draw your attention to a part. A man after God's own heart. I've heard all kind of ideas about what that means. A person after God's own heart. But you don't have to speculate. The Bible tells you. What that means. Acts 13. 22. And 23, when the Lord had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, to whom he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That's not the end of the sentence. Which shall fulfill all my will. What does that mean? Uh, what's, What's a person after God's own heart? That's somebody who wants what he wants. Who wants to please him. During the early days of the pandemic, I was praying uh, about some things, about people needing help and, and um, you know, what we could do or what, what a part we could be and, you know, be of service. That's what we're talking about. And uh, the Lord spoke to me something I, I did not expect. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. But distinctly inside, he said, Keith, many are continually asking me for things. Because I was thinking about what people needed. And and he said, people are just, can you imagine of all the billions on the planet, how many are asking him for things? He said, people are just continually asking me for things. He he said, but... uh, Uh, Most of them don't care about my things. Most of them don't care about my 
things. And I knew it was true. They're, they're only interested in getting him to help them do what they want to do and their things. And many times he can't be involved because the whole plan is not of him. And the whole idea never came from him. And he's not obligated to just underwrite every goofy idea that everybody comes up with. And besides that, he's not going to help you get further out of his will. And you imagine that this is his will because he's helping support it. That would be bad for you. You got to watch about assuming things. Just assuming that you're supposed to do this. And uh, we, we should ask. Like, like David did. It's, it's an indication of him. A man after God's own heart. What did he do over and over again? Inquired of the Lord. Why? Because he didn't just want to do his own thing. He didn't just want God to bless what he's doing. He wants to know. What do you want me to do? And how do we do this? And when and where? A man after God's own heart. Who will fulfill all his will. Now notice in the, uh, that same chapter, just a few verses down, verse 36, it says it like this. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid to his fathers. What was the will of God? He's a man after God's own heart. He wants to do God's will. What was God's will for David? That he serve his own generation. That was the will of God. What's God's will for you? Huh? We weren't here for the 1700s. Huh? The 1800s. That party's over. Right? The Lord tarries his coming. Will we be here for the 2500s? Mm. No, the answer is no. <laughs> You're not going to live another 400 years. <laughs> so what can you do? Huh? Don't look back longingly. Don't speculate about the future. You're here now in this generation. What should be our desire? What should be our question? Lord, how can we serve our generation for you before we go? Right? How can we serve our generation according to your will? Everybody said out loud, oh Lord, I come to do your will. I desire To be of service to you, to your people. Show me how to serve my generation. Hallelujah. Show me how to serve my generation before I pass off the scene and go home to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't you like what Dr. Martin Luther King said? Everybody can be great. Because anybody can serve. You can almost hear him say it. That'll preach, man. Everybody can be great. Where'd he get that? He got that from Jesus. 
Get that from the head of the church. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve if you will. But you have to overcome the selfishness of the flesh and the self-centeredness. I was uh, tried to talk to a minister one time. He was younger in the Lord. And the Lord had given him a great ministry. I won't go into detail. I don't want you to figure out who it was. But uh, he's still in the ministry today. Still a strong, good ministry. But people weren't supporting his ministry. At least not to the degree he thought they should. And and he was telling me at one point. And he said, like, uh, he said, uh, don't they know how important this is? You know, and all the money they spend on this and that, and they can't support us than this. And and I said, "Uh, who said they should? He looked at me. He said, well, because it's important. I said, there's a lot of other ministries besides you. Who said they should support you? Oh, friend, I don't care who you are. You got to watch this kind of stuff. Because see, he's thinking, well, I'm not doing it for myself. Yeah, but it's your ministry. (laughs) I'm just doing it for the church. Yeah, but it's your church. (laughs) Friend, nobody owes you anything. You're saying they should serve me. They should be of service to me to help me. Even though you're trying to be service to others, that's a wrong mentality. That's acting like things revolve around you. That's acting like you're more important than other people. And that is not a servant's heart. That's not a servant's mentality. The Lord told us in Philippians, in fact, go there, Philippians 2. He told us to esteem others better than ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that you run yourself down, but you know all of your faults and shortcomings. You don't know theirs. So it should be easier to put them more on a pedestal. And you can imagine they got it all together. Now, the the more you get to know them, you find out they don't. But you still can make a choice, right? That you're, instead of seeking people to support you, you want to die to that. Hmm? You want to make up your mind. You've heard me say this many times. Faith puts no pressure on people. Why? Because if you're really looking to God, that's his business, who he uses, who he chooses, not yours. And if you think God's dealing with somebody to do something for you, that's when you stay away. And you don't bring it up because you don't want to muddy the waters. And many times you'll be wrong anyway. That's just your imagination. But that's not my business, who God uses. Y'all are quiet. (laughs) Philippians, the second chapter. What was God's will? That David be of service to his generation. And after he had served his own generation, he left here. All of us. That's coming up. I'm actually looking forward to leaving. I am. You should too. It's going to be better. Is that right? To depart and be with the Lord. It's better. 
Far better than being here. Now on the other hand, don't try to leave too quick. Because you got a job to do. There is service for you to render. And if you quit trying to look for people to support you. Stop looking for people to support you. Well, why won't they help me? You don't really want the answer to that. (laughs) But I'll give you a little hint. Sowing and reaping works. Hmm? If you think you are deficient in being helped, you need to sow more help. That's you helping. We need partners. Then what should you do? Be a partner. What kind of partner are you? Hmm? We need help. You should be help. Sow help. Without grumbling and complaining. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's, it's, this is my, my scripture right here. <laughs> Whew. Well, we're having fun now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I lost my place. I got stirred up and excited. And uh, yeah, here it is. Thank you, Lord. Verse 12. What time is it? Okay. We're okay. Time to spare. I guess if my, if my watch is right. <laughs> you know, what was it a few weeks ago? <laughs> that was so funny. Phyllis, I think Phyllis was down there and I was up here. Is that what it was? And I got home and, and, and she said, and I said, man, you know, I, that was pretty good. I was only like 10, 15 minutes over. She said, an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> I hadn't changed my watch. (laughs) And the great thing is that you guys just stayed hooked like it wasn't a deal. You are like, hey, we got kingdom business to take care of. I I do appreciate it. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Now, not work for. Not work for. We're not working to see if we're going to be saved or not. The Lord bought and paid for it. It's done. Your name's in the book. Relax. You're going to make it. But our salvation includes his plan and will for this life. And he has ordained good works that you and I should do. And we are to take that seriously, hence the fear and trembling. We're not to just say, oh, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, every day in all our ways we acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths. We are checking in with him continually. Lord, what do you say? What do you want us to do on this? We're looking to his spirit. His spirit will reference us to his word. Verse 13. For. 
And man, if you, if you don't know this verse, circle it, put a star by it, highlight it. You want to pray this over yourself. You want to confess it over yourself many times. For it is God which works in you both. Both means two things. Both to will and to do. The will is one. The do is another thing. To will and to do of what? Of his good pleasure. What pleases him. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And what's the very next verse say? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. A good servant is not griping all the time about what you're having to do. About what they didn't let you be a part of or any of that. This kind of stuff, it, it is so dangerous. After being in the ministry now for 40 plus years, Phyllis and I have talked about this repeatedly. We have, we have seen over and over again how that people are led of the Lord. They begin to be of service in some capacity. And then they get it in their mind that they're supposed to be promoted. Are they supposed, something's supposed to be turned over to them. Are they supposed to be in charge of something? It's a trick of the enemy. Because then, if it doesn't happen, and many times the reason it didn't happen, because it never was the will of God. It's just something they got in their head that the enemy brought to them. And, it, and the hook of it is based on pride. Well, nobody can do the job I'm doing on this. And if it wasn't for me, this whole department would probably just fall apart. <laughs> really? <laughs> Did it exist before you got there? Wonder how they made it. <laughs> there, are, there are these things. We've seen it over and over. Church people, laity, ministers, preachers, on partners, on and on. Get something in their mind. We've had numerous people in serving in teams and, and, and places that they decided they were supposed to be put on staff. Or they decided they, the department was supposed to be turned over to them. Said who? That can't happen for everybody. Why is it supposed to happen to you? Did the Lord tell you this? Or where did that come from? And are you more focused on being served? Being promoted? Being acknowledged? That's not the servant's heart. The servant's heart. Oh friend, Listen. The scripture talks about in Timothy that some things come out in this life. And some things don't come out now, but they come out later. That's a Keith Moore paraphrase. I'll teach you about it later. (laughs) But suffice it to say that acknowledgement, accolades, praise, rewards, the best is not what comes out now, but what comes out later. And if you put in some good service and some good work and nobody even seems to notice, you should smile secretly. Why? Because the Lord's going to bring it out later. And it's going to mean a whole lot more. Because people have short memories. 
down here in this life. You can be employee of the month today and nobody remember it next month. So no, you don't, you just want to get delivered of that. That's part of growing up. It's part of dying to the pride of the flesh. And after all, the motivation should be to be of service, right? Man, if we're doing a good job, if we're getting it done, if people are being helped, what more accolade do you need? Huh? What more acknowledgement and praise do you need? No. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve. I know Phyllis and I had the opportunity to serve with the Hagans for a number of years. I remember we were out on the West Coast one time, and we had rushed, rushed, and, uh, you know, we were making a few sacrifices here and there, but, uh, you know, it seemed like on that particular time, we, we finally got where we needed to be because some other things were going on, and some of the pastors that were there, they said, you guys are so blessed that you get to serve. Talking about the Hagans. And, and we smiled and said, yes, amen, we are. But in our minds, we're thinking, you don't know what we just had to do to get here and to do this thing. But the longer I thought about it, I, I knew it was true. But your flesh doesn't always feel that way, especially if it's requiring a little bit of sacrifice or a lot of sacrifice. But now, years and years past that season, oh, what a privilege it was to serve. Uh, You know, the flesh is the flesh, and your flesh wants to be lazy, and it doesn't want to do anything extra, and it doesn't want to commit to anything and be responsible for anything. But friends, that's just the flesh. Make yourself get up, right? Get moving. I'm glad you're here today. How many is on a team in the church? I want to see. Raise your hands. Look at look at all these hands. Look at all these hands. Why? That makes your pastor happy. Oh, that made me. And not not just for me, for you, for you. That re, that reward may abound to your account. Hallelujah! That you may be a fulfilled individual that you are being of use you are being of service hallelujah you are helping somebody with something and you're making a difference instead of being idle and unfruitful hallelujah I want you to stand on your feet I want us to pray this prayer over ourselves hallelujah Put on the screen for us, please, Philippians 2 and um, 13. 2 and 13. I I have prayed this prayer over myself numerous, I don't know how many times. Over the years, it'd be hundreds at least. And uh, because I, I remind myself, I know the Lord hadn't forgotten it, but Every day is a new day. There are new seasons of things. Your flesh doesn't always want to do 
what the Lord wants you to do. Your, your flesh doesn't want to be of service. It wants to be served. And that's something you have to overcome. And you can set in your heart, though, that even though part of me doesn't want to do what the Lord wants me to do, I'm willing to be willing. Huh? And the Lord told us that he would do what? He works in you, not just to help you to do it, but he works in you to will to do it. Is this great or is this great? You talk about help. And all you got to do is be open and at least be willing to be willing. Be willing to get willing. If you've had a lot of trouble with your flesh doing stuff you shouldn't do and you know the Lord didn't want you to do it, well, at least be willing to get willing to make the change. Or, you know, he's been dealing with you to do something and your flesh wants to be lazy and didn't want to do it. At least be willing to be willing. Get willing. Sit out loud. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. It is just my reasonable service to be available to you, to present my body and everything I am, everything I have to your service. I know that means to your people. And I thank you for working in me, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I say, I want it, Lord. I'm open for it. Work in me to desire that to do that which pleases you. To will and desire to serve you and serve others. Work in me. And thank you for working in me to accomplish your will, to do your will in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands up. Open your mouth. Give praise and give thanks to the Almighty God. Oh, somebody say, praise you, Father. 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 Give thanks and give glory. Give praise and thanks. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Said out loud, I'm not looking for people to serve me. I'm not looking for people to support me. I'm looking to help, to be a support, to serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more you sow that, guess what will happen? Guess what? It'll be multiplied back to you. It'll come back to you. The, because Phyllis and I had a privilege of sowing service We've had more than enough service to help us. 
in the ministry after that. Thank God you want to be of service. Hallelujah. I mean in the morning when your eyes open. What do you think? Come on, help me out. What do you think? How can I be of service today, Lord? How can I be of service? Service to you. Service to your people. Service to your plan. And you'll find in pursuing that, you will wind up in the perfect will of God. Glory to God. Altar workers, would you come to the front? If you got any questions about being right with God or need to come back to the Lord, or these folks are here ready to pray with you, celebrate with you, give thanks with you. And we'll sing this as we go. And, and, and when can you start being of service? Come on, help, help me out. Right now. Right now. Rest of the afternoon. This evening, tomorrow. Hallelujah. And some folks need to go back to the um, uh, information area. Find out about teams. Because uh, it's an opportunity to serve. Sing it hallelujah. Make me. Hallelujah.